Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob Podcast. Got a good pod for you dialed up today. I was uh, I was apparently feeling bold and in a prediction mood. So I got 10 predictions for Nebraska football this season on tap for you. No, I'm not predicting the official record or anything like that. I'm not going game by game. I'm going to save that for, for a few more weeks. Uh, but I got 10 predictions for Nebraska football this season uh, coming up. So buckle up for that. Before I get into that, real quick, I got a couple of uh, quick reactions to uh, Scott Frost's press conference from, uh, gosh, it would have been Thursday or Friday. And then there was also something that Mark Whipple said in a media session that stuck with me. So a couple of things with Frost's presser real quick. thought it was interesting that, that Frost just came out and said, he didn't name Casey Thompson the starter, but he just came out and said, listen, he, I'm pleased with Casey, and right now it's his job to lose. Paraphrasing there. But the fact that he used the phrase right now, it's his job to lose, uh, is is telling, you know, even after, you know, th- that's kind of what was spelled out of Big Ten Media Days. But then you you reiterate that after about eight days of practice. I think I think we all can see where this is headed. I think everybody thought it was going to be Casey Thompson as a starter. And that's where it's trending. The other thing that was good to hear is that apparently this offseason surgery on Casey Thompson's thumb has really, really paid enormous dividends. So his play has risen since spring in uh, in in the eyes of Scott Frost. So that is good to hear uh and then I thought it was it was good to hear Frost and that's why I think everybody probably made too much of specifically of what Frost said at Big Ten Media Days about how this blending of the offense is going to look or you know who's got their hands in what how involved is Frost going to be with with the offense I think sometimes you know, I think you can have an idea of what something's going to be like on the front end and then then you don't know really though what it's going to be like until you get in it you can you can have a plan, but sometimes you got to write that plan in pencil and not pen, and be ready to you know, evolve, change, adjust. But when Frost was asked how the offense is going, Frost said, "Quote: Whips in control," meaning Mark Whipple's in control. But whips in control. So there you go. Everybody that was like, "Oh God, he's going to be overly involved." He's saying Whip is in control. He. He even admitted, said, you know, trying to get overly involved probably wasn't the best strategy. He said, I'll help, we'll blend some things, but whip's in control. So there you go. A couple other things. Uh, It it was, you know, this made me want to, you know, this was like someone, someone get me a a towel and a a glass of water to calm down. He he gushed over O'Shawn Mathis, called him an elite talent. And then he had something that was really interesting in saying that, O'Shawn Mathis's arrival uh, on campus and in practice has raised the level of play of the guys around him. Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, Jamari Butler, and Blaze Gunnarsson have all stepped their game up and played at a higher level with O'Shawn Mathis, O'Shawn Mathis around. And that's ultimately sometimes one of the biggest testaments to what great players can do. 
great players not only are great themselves, but they raise the level of play around them one way or another, just by their simple presence or maybe the way they uh, they handle themselves. Or for some, sometimes just a guy's arrival can get guys to 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 step up their game because you know they want to they want to live up to whatever standard is being set there. But either way, I thought that was great to hear. Also, I thought there was a nice little anecdote that Scott Frost asked some of the guys walking off the practice field what the hardest period in practice was, and he said a lot of them said special teams, which is music to my ears, and I imagine it's music to everybody else's ears. Um, I, I just, man, I didn't even put this in a in a in in one of my bold statements. I maybe should have. Like, I just think given how awful the special teams was last year, how it cost the football team games combined with the hiring of Bill Bush, I just don't see how that unit doesn't improve dramatically. I just don't I, I just I'd be really surprised. I'm not saying they're gonna be like a you know one of the five best special teams units in the in the country, but I just don't see how that unit doesn't improve dramatically. And then I I found uh so that was from Frost Presser, but then I heard uh, an interesting quote from Mark Whipple, an interesting comment from Mark Whipple from uh his media session and and he said first games, talking about the first game of the season, he said first games are lost more than they are won. And I heard that, I was like, oh, man, that is just, that's so true. That's, it's so simple, and it's so insightful. And it's such good, a good little nugget for a lot of the quarterbacks when they head to Dublin, Ireland, they keep in mind when they're taking on Northwestern. First games are, are lost more than they are won. First games of the season. And I just Frost has been here for four years, and I don't think he got a. It's not that hard to look back on a couple of the openers and go, yeah, like last year's Illinois game. What do you guys think? I mean, I'd say Nebraska lost that game more so than Illinois won it. Same thing for Colorado in 2018. I think Nebraska pissed that game away. But it's just a it's a clean, simple thought that I love from Whipple. Definitely something that I'm going to keep in mind for the week of that Northwestern game when I'm starting to kind of rear and or, uh, ramp up and, and gear up for for that for that game. So wanted to, wanted to get some thoughts off my uh, of my chest with with that. Okay, here we go. Ten predictions. Some bold, some maybe not so bold, but the predictions nevertheless. So here we go. Ten predictions for Nebraska football this season. Prediction number one. Garrett Nelson will be the breakout star of the season. I felt it in the spring, and then everything that has followed from that point has just reaffirmed that feeling for me. He, first of all, Nelson's had a nice, gradual, steady improvement each year at Nebraska, so he's a guy that's on that upward trajectory and a guy that keeps on improving. And... For me, and I get it, it's a spring game. You take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, nevertheless, there's guys on the field in pads playing football. He was the guy that popped the most to me in the spring game. He was the dude to me that 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 looked the most different out there in the spring game. And when you combined that with the vibe and chatter around him, I think all this stuff is is really adding up to something special. Listen, he was one of the three players that were uh, that went to media days. That's always good. But then the big the the big quote was from Frost at Big Ten Media Days, where Frost said, "quote Garrett Nelson is probably the best leader we've had at Nebraska in a long time." 
Let me repeat that from Scott Frost. Garrett Nelson is probably the best leader we've had at Nebraska in a long time. That's a huge compliment. I think his intangibles feel like they're great right now. And then tangibly, he's got some talent, man. You know, someone pointed this out too, and I I hadn't really thought of it, but when I read it, I might have been Robin Washington maybe tweeted this out. uh, And and after I read it, I was like, you know what? I I, I can vibe with that. They pointed out the fact that Garrett Nelson is the face of the program right now. I really believe that's true. I, I really believe that's true. Listen, oftentimes it's the quarterback and K, it, you know, people are like, oh, no, it's Casey Thompson. Well, Casey Thompson's got to like complete a pass and play a down at Nebraska before you're like the face of the program, right? Because for so many years it was Adrian Martinez, it was Wondell Robinson maybe for like a, a quick cup of coffee. But right now, I agree. If I had to say who is the face of Nebraska's program from a player's standpoint, I'd say it's Garrett Nelson. And so when you're in that kind of space and in that state of mind and clearly making an impression on people around you, I just think oftentimes great things usually are to follow on the football field in the season. I just I think Garrett Nelson is going to have a massive year, like a potentially all-conference caliber type year. He's great motor. He's physical. He's tough. He's experienced now. I really like Garrett Nelson, so I think he is about to have a massive season. Prediction number two, O'Shawn Mathis will be every bit as good as advertised. And Mathis and Nelson are somewhat tied together because, did you again, what I just said on what Frost talked about in the press conference with the media about O'Shawn Mathis. Called him an elite talent, but then he said his presence has raised the level of play of guys like Nelson Tanner, Butler, and Gunnarsson. I think Mathis's arrival is another reason I think Nelson is going to have a huge year. So kind of my first and second bold predictions, or just predictions, are kind of tied together. But with O'Shawn Mathis specifically, I'm buying the hype. There's a reason that you could argue he was one of the four or five most sought-after transfers in the portal this offseason in all of college football. Everybody wanted Mathis. He's a big-time elite pass rusher. Legit 6'5", 260, and he can move. And he's done it at the Power 5 level, not the JUCO level, not the high school level. Two-time second-team All-Big 12, led the Big 12 in sacks two years ago. And you know what else I like about him is he seems to be a guy who gets it. Very humble, understands the game. Frost even said it, that he's been a great teammate upon his arrival. I think that stuff matters too. So, uh, listen, we've all been burned, me included, on buying into the hype of the next great thing arriving at Nebraska, whether it's an incoming freshman, a transfer, whatever. We've all been burned. But to me... I don't think Mathis is going to burn us. He's got the body. He's got the talent. He's got the resume. He's got the Power 5 experience. I am buying Mathis being every bit as good as advertised. I am chugging the Oshan Mathis Kool-Aid. I think he's going to have a, a – whatever people are thinking about him, I think he's going to be all of that. That's prediction number two. Prediction number three, Nebraska will beat Oklahoma. That's right. Listen, I think it's happening. It, it's 
it's hard and silly to even compare last year's game, but it helps prove my point, so I'll do it. But Nebraska should have beat Oklahoma last year on the road in Norman. I know, I know, I know. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Well, they could have and should have won. And what's amazing is Nebraska was still a mess in that game. They were a mess for the whole year, for the most part. Remember the remember the offensive line false starts to start the game? Remember that? If I'm not mistaken, the first two times Nebraska lined up, they got false starts. I don't need to remind you, but I will have how big of a disaster Nebraska's kicking game was. Missed field goals, missed extra point, returned for two points the other way. Nebraska's on the road, taking on Lincoln Riley and a Heisman candidate at quarterback. Like, And despite all of that, Nebraska's right there. And here's the thing. I bring that up to say that I think last year's Oklahoma team is better than this year's Oklahoma team. I don't think this Oklahoma team's going to be near as good. And that's a big deal with this prediction. The fact that Lincoln Riley, no longer the head coach, and listen, he's one of the hottest names in coaching, and his offensive acumen and, and everything is, is well-documented. Got Oklahoma into the playoff, all that. So you got a new coach, and I think Oklahoma's going to have some growing pains. This is Brent Venables, who comes from Clemson as their longtime defensive coordinator. And listen, his reputation as a coordinator is it's unassailable. I mean, it's a it's incredible. But this is Brett Venable's first time as a head coach. He's never been a head coach before. The move from coordinator to head coach is the Grand Canyon. And this will be Brent Venable's first real, legit, big game as a head coach. And it's on the road. Oklahoma starts the season. They play UTEP and Kent State in the first two weeks before they head to Lincoln. And Memorial Stadium will be on fire for that game. Biggest historical rival back inside Memorial Stadium for the first time in over 10 years. Last time Oklahoma was in Lincoln, 2010. Last time Nebraska played Oklahoma, 2010 Big 12 championship game. Remember? I get goosebumps just talking about it and thinking about it. The place is going to be electric. It's a big spot for the first-time head coach in Venables. Plus, Dylan Gabriel at quarterback is an interesting one to assess for a variety of reasons. Super talented transfer from Central Florida who a lot of people wanted. But, Dylan Gabriel's coming off a broken collarbone last year. He only played in three games, broke his collarbone. And in his entire career at Central Florida, Dylan Gabriel's only played against four Power Five teams. He's only played four Power Conference opponents. Georgia Tech, Stanford, Louisville, and Pitt. Other than that, it's a lot of East Carolina and Tulsa's. Georgia Tech, Stanford, Louisville, and Pitt. Only four Power Conference teams Gabriel has played against, and he's 2-2 two and two in those games. So again, coming off a broken collarbone, he's only faced four Power Five conference teams in his entire career, and he's never been in an environment like he'll be in inside Memorial Stadium. Plus, Oklahoma's in a big roster transformation as well. 
19 is the number of scholarship newcomers for Oklahoma, 10 freshmen and nine transfers, and all are expected to contribute. And listen, I know Nebraska's in a similar spot, but I'm pointing out Oklahoma's situation specifically here. Nebraska's going to have a conference game under its belt by then, too, having played Northwestern. So again, with Oklahoma, you got a new coach, a first-time head coach, a brand-new staff, a talented quarterback, but coming off a collarbone injury and not a ton of experience versus Power 5 conference opponents, and Memorial Stadium is going to be on fire. On fire. I'm calling it now. I actually don't even feel like too bad about it, like where it's like, Ooh, I don't know. You know, sometimes you say things, but deep down inside, you're like, I don't know if I fully believe this. You're trying to speak it into existence or whatever. Like, I don't listen. Nebraska is beating Oklahoma. Nebraska will beat Oklahoma on September 17th in Lincoln. Might be the most bold one I got here. Bold prediction number four. Okay, I debated. This was one that I debated keeping in my predictions, especially after I heard Frost talk in his, his press conference. But I'm going to stick with it because it's it's a it's a very layered thing. Prediction number four is Chubba Purdy will start a game this year for Nebraska at quarterback. Again, Casey Thompson is your day one starter and is the guy this season. Let me start by saying that. Again, I debated even keeping this prediction in there, but I'm going to ride with it. I just think the combination of Chubba's talent and then the fact that every year for seemingly the past five or six years, I mean, shoot, you could go back further than that. Every year for the for the past five or six years, a backup quarterback has started at least one game for Nebraska. It's like clockwork. Plus, I've said this, I think the hot seat nature of the season could lead to a quicker trigger from Frost to make a change at quarterback if things were to start to go awry. Again, Casey Thompson's the guy. Frost has said it's his job to lose. So I'm not I'm not saying or predicting Chubba will be the day one starter. He won't be. And I'm not predicting that Chubba will start more games than Casey Thompson. I don't think he will. But I do think at some point, Chubba Purdy's going to start a game this year. Casey Thompson's got that thumb injury that he had surgery on. Those things have a way of lingering a little bit. I just think the nature of the sport, guys get knocked out of games for a week or two. I think at some point, whether it's by injury or just by necessity, I think Chubba Purdy is going to start a game this season. Recent history tells me that that's actually not that bold of a statement and kind of a safe bet. Like if outside of, oh, I don't know, you know, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State or, you know, some of these really established guys, if you know, almost every single team, if you set, if Vegas set over under starting court, number of starting quarterbacks this season that'll start a game, you'd almost set every everything at one and a half and you'd take the over. Just because injuries happen, things happen, unless you're like a super-duper durable established stud. So, again, this is the one I probably feel the least confident in, but it's kind of what I, I felt like there. I, I, I think it's, it's going to happen. Chubba Purdy is going to start a game this year for Nebraska. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go onto Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. 
by Pella, won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Prediction number five. Nebraska's rush defense is going to be an issue. I've been on record in saying that I think Nebraska's pass rush will be much improved. And in fact, I think it's going to be kind of dangerous. But right in the interior, right on the nose, right inside, I'm a little nervous. You lose Daniels, you lose Stilly, you lose Casey Rogers. It, it hurts. That defensive line inside is pretty thin. Now, Nebraska has hit the portal and added some bodies in Stephon Wynn and Devin Drew. But those guys, they got to hit the ground running. And listen, Devin Drew isn't even on campus yet. And that rush defense, for as much as I sing the praises of Eric Chenander, and I've been a, a supporter and a guy that has really, really felt like that it's undeniable that they've improved each year. I think that's undeniable. And I thought last year they were pretty damn good, all things considered. But listen, that rush defense, from a statistical standpoint, has been an issue for the last four years. These are just the stats. This is where Nebraska ranked in rush defense at the end of the year, the last four years. 53rd, 66th, 88th, 94th. That's not good. And if you look, their yards per carry in the fourth quarter given up is not good. And I think it could be the thinnest they've been since maybe year one. I think Nebraska is talented on the edge. Mathis, Nelson, Tanner, Butler. I think the two inside linebackers are good too, Reimer, Henrich. But I worry about I worry about the 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 point of attack right in the heart of that defensive line. And I think stopping the run really starts there. It's hard to be a great run stopping team if you're just if you're not getting a good push right on the nose or at least not getting blown back. Especially teams like you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, they're going to run it right at you, right? So even though I love Eric Chenander and I love how that defense as a whole has progressed, I buy the pass rush as improved. I think that rush defense is going to be an issue because I think they're thin in the D-line from a body standpoint. I don't think their depth is great. And especially right at the point of attack, the snacks spot, the Ben Stilly spot, I think they're... There are big question marks there, which is a big problem. So I prediction number five, Nebraska's rush defense is going to be an issue. Prediction number six, Trey Palmer will be Nebraska's best player on offense. He's another guy like Mathis who I buy the hype. Former five-star recruit. The talent is there. He was just in a loaded room with first-round wide receivers at LSU, and now it's his time to shine, and I think he shines. With Mark Whipple orchestrating things and Mickey Joseph coaching him up, 
I think Trey Palmer has a big year, and when all the dust settles at the end of the year and you're at Thanksgiving with your family and people are talking about who was Nebraska's best player on offense, I think the answer is going to be Trey Palmer. You listen to the players and coaches talk about Palmer, and they gush. I still remember Casey Thompson's spring game sideline interview when he was asked about which wide receiver has impressed him and who's who he's built chemistry with. And it was it was interesting. Casey Thompson is almost like he couldn't even keep a straight face in saying Palmer. It was as if you'd asked him something so painfully obvious that it was hard to answer it without almost feeling like, do I really even need to tell you that? You know the answer to that. Like that was what it felt like. Here's the equation that is almost always true in sports. Talent plus fit plus good coaching plus opportunity equals big year. Palmer's got the talent. It's a good fit. It's good coaching. He's going to have every opportunity in the world to get a lot of touches. Homeboy's going to have a big year. That's the Trey Palmer equation right now. He's Nebraska's best player on offense. That's bold prediction number six. Prediction number seven. The streak ends this year. Nebraska will beat one of Iowa or Wisconsin. It's ending this year. The streak ends. It's been a long time since Nebraska has either beaten Wisconsin or Iowa. Beating Iowa, you got to go back to 2014, Bo Pelini's last game. It was the last time Nebraska beat Iowa. With Wisconsin, you got to go all the way back to 2012, the regular season matchup in Lincoln as the last time Nebraska beat Wisconsin. I think the streak ends this year. When you look at both teams, I love Iowa on defense. I love Wisconsin's uh, running back. That 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 young guy's a, a stud, and you got to love the defensive culture that they got there. But I just I don't think either quarterback is great. And I don't think either of these teams are like vintage great Wisconsin or Iowa teams. They're good. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to act like, oh, these teams. No, they're good. But Wisconsin, you know, they only return nine total starters. And when you think about that matchup last year, it's hard to even gauge last year's game against Wisconsin because, remember, Nebraska was in that weird spot. Nebraska had just lost to Ohio State. And, remember, Frost made the move to fire Lubick and Austin and and – Ryan Held and all those guys, he he cleaned house. And so that was the first game with all those coaches not there. But still, despite of all, all that and playing on the road in Madison, remember Nebraska had the ball driving late down seven. And remember the refs missed a blatant, obvious pass interference call on Xavier Betts on fourth down. I mean, Nebraska could have won that game. And in all reality, I think Nebraska should have beaten Iowa two of the last three years. I think Nebraska pissed pissed the game away in 2019 at home with the management of the final two minutes of the game. Remember that when, when Nebraska was driving and for some reason Frost subbed in uh, Luke McCaffrey for a play, and then they didn't call timeout. They let too much time go, and every, and then they they give the ball back to Iowa, and, and they give up a long pass. It was like just everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong. That was 2019. 
2020, Nebraska did have the ball at Iowa driving, and then Martinez got sacked and fumbled. But I'm not ready to say Nebraska should have, could have, would have with that game. But then last year, I mean, come on, Nebraska's up 21-6 to with five minutes left in the third quarter and somehow throw up on themselves and lose. I get it, I get it, I get it. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. I get it. But it doesn't make it not true, and it doesn't make the val- the conversations invalid. Nebraska's due. Nebraska's good enough. I think the streak ends this year. Nebraska's beating one of Iowa or Wisconsin. My hunch is it's Wisconsin, but Nebraska's winning one of those two games. Prediction number eight. Truly isn't. It's like a prediction, but it's like a big, broad one. Nebraska's offensive line, pass protection, and rushing attack will still be inconsistent. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm not ready to buy into the idea that Nebraska will be able to run the ball at a consistently effective level or that Nebraska is going to be able to protect the quarterback consistently. Remember the stat I gave you in this summer from the ESPN quarterback tier column that that was posted? Adrian Martinez last year was pressured on 42% of his dropbacks, which was the most in the country. That's a problem. With the rushing attack, here's kind of what I'm thinking because it's it's a bunch of different things. Outside of Teddy Prohaska, that line is unproven, struggled last year, and is thin. Especially after Noelle's suspension, who was going to start, a thin group got even thinner. And then... I'd also say that I'm in believe-it-when-I-see-it mode with Donovan Raiola as the offensive line coach. I'm not anti-Donovan Raiola. I'm not. Hear me Hear me in my heart here. I'm not anti-Donovan Raiola. I just say, given the sample size of his coaching, that the jury is out. I think that's an entirely fair stance to take. And then, I still don't think Nebraska has an elite player at running back. I think they got a bunch of okay to good, but not great. I like Anthony Grant. I think A.J. Allen, the freshman, has potential. In fact, I think he's probably going to get on the field. But I just don't know if there's a stud in that group. Listen, maybe it's Anthony Grant. Maybe it's Grant, and it would be huge if he if he is a stud. But much like what I said about Donovan Raiola, the jury is out on that group for me and having a stud. And then I think the... The loss of Martinez is really going to impact the rushing attack. I'm one of those guys that I like having a, a, a dual-threat guy at quarterback. I like running your quarterback in college. Now, did Nebraska maybe rely too much on Adrian? Yeah, probably. But, man, when your quarterback is a dynamic player with his feet, it's tough to stop. Now, Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy aren't stiffs, and we saw that Smothers obviously can run. But there's going to be dramatically less designed quarterback runs with Mark Whipple calling the shots. And I actually think that could that could hurt the overall rushing attack a little bit. So last year, Nebraska couldn't get a consistent push running the ball. There's that whole thing. It's like you got to – can you run the ball when you have to, not when you want to? Nebraska had a hard time running the ball when they had to and even when they wanted to. And they had a hard time consistently protecting the quarterback. I'm not ready to buy into any of that stuff changing yet. So for me, prediction number eight deals with the O-line. Nebraska's offensive line, pass pro, and rushing attack will still be inconsistent. 
Prediction number nine. Nebraska will have a positive turnover margin for the first time in the Frost era. They're going to finish the season with a positive turnover margin for the first time in the Frost era. Before I get into why I think this, I did a quick turnover margin deep dive for Nebraska, and wowza. You might want to hide the women and children before I I read these stats to you. If you got kids in the car, please tell them to put their headphones on or just change the channel here. (laughs) But... Because these stats, ugh. From 2009 to last year, so 2021, that's 13 seasons. Nebraska has only had a positive turnover margin twice. Two of 13 seasons. Ugh. The two seasons, give you a second here as you're listening, if you can predict the two. Talking positive. So not zero. There are a couple seasons that were zero. I'm talking about a positive. I'm going, you got to be positive. Plus one or above. Nebraska, the two seasons, 2016, Riley's second year. Remember, the team won nine games. They finished. They started the year, what, 7-0, and and that defense was kind of rolling for a little bit. And then the wheels fell off at the end of the year. But 2016, Nebraska ranked, finished ranked 34th in turnover margin, plus five. And then in the second season, you probably guessed it, 2009, obviously Sue and the boys, Nebraska finished 33rd in the country in turnover margin at plus five again. But that's it. Every other season, Nebraska's had a negative turnover margin. Quickly, I'll go through them. 2021, finished 98th in turnover margin, minus five. 2020, finished 123rd in the country, Minus 11. 2019, finished 68th at a zero turnover margin. 2018, 83rd, finished minus two in turnover margin. 2017, finished ranked 106th, minus seven in turnover margin. 2016, I told you, they finished 34th plus five. 2015, year one, Riley, when they tried to make Tommy Armstrong, Peyton Manning, that didn't go well, finished 118th in turnover margin, minus 12. 2014, last year, Bo Pelini, Ranked 77th at turnover margin, minus 2. 2013, finished ranked 119th at minus 11. 2012, finished ranked 108th at minus 12. 2011, finished 72nd at minus 1. 2010, finished 61st at minus 1. And then 2009, like I said, finished 33rd at plus 5 in turnover margin. That's incredible, isn't it? And it's no wonder Nebraska has struggled when you look at that. Turn the ball over, winning's hard. When you turn the ball over and don't force enough turnover, like, winning's hard. And that's the thing with, like, a lot of those Pelini years. Nebraska's defense was getting turnovers. It was was the offense that was just a turnover machine. It was Taylor Martinez and then Tommy Armstrong. And then now, I mean, you've been a lot of turnover-prone guys at QB. But focusing on Frost, minus 5, minus 11, 0, and minus 2. Those are the turnover margin final numbers in the first four years under Frost. And I think that changes this year. I think Nebraska finishes with a positive turnover margin for the first time in the Frost era. Why? Two reasons. Number one, new quarterback, no Adrian Martinez. Even the biggest Martinez supporters, supporters, even the biggest Adrian Martinez supporters would have to admit, dude was a turnover machine. He fumbled 42 times in his career, losing 30. 
and he had a 1.5 to 1 touchdown to INT ratio, which is not good. Both those numbers are not good. 42 career fumbles. They didn't lose all of them, but still, he put the ball hit the carpet 42 times in his career. I think Casey Thompson, he's older, he's experienced. I think he's going to make better decisions. He's going to be smarter with the football. That's reason number one. You'll have a guy that is much more sound with the ball. Reason number two goes back to my pass rush thing. Nebraska's pass rush will create more turnover opportunities. The other side of turnover margin is the turnovers forced. Nebraska has lacked that defensively under Eric Chenander, and I think the main reason for that is the lack of a pass rush. I think a pass rush is arguably the most important factor in creating turnover opportunities. Sure, you need to have ball-hawking guys like, you know, Deshaun Gomes and Eric Hag and Prince Nwukamara and all that stuff. You got to have, you know, Levante David and all those things, but don't get it twisted. You know who creates a lot of opportunities? Sue getting after your ass. Randy Gregory screaming around the edge. Right? Like, Strip sacks, quick quick rush decisions, pressure on the quarterback is going to lead to mistakes. And I've been on the record in saying that I think Nebraska's pass rush will be much improved. Mathis, Garrett, Nelson, uh, Tanner, Butler, those four guys in particular, they're going to get after the quarterback, and I think that's going to create opportunities for turnovers. So you combine those two things, new quarterback who is smarter with the ball, with a pass rush, which can create turnovers, you mix all that up, I think Nebraska finally sees a good turnover situation this season. I think Nebraska will finish with a positive turnover margin for the first time under Scott Frost. And last, number 10, prediction for Nebraska football this season. Scott Frost will keep his job. Scott Frost will be the head coach at the end of the season Moving forward. Again, I'm going to hold off on my official record prediction and picking each game. But I'll just say this. I think Nebraska is going to do well enough for Frost to keep his job. I'm, if you've listened to me over the course of the last, you know, six, eight months, I'm one of those guys that subscribes to the school of thought that six wins, Frost is ace. Six wins, Frost ain't going anywhere. Hell, even... I'd even say if if Nebraska were to go six and seven with a bowl loss, say they go six and six and they go lose in the Lucky Charms Bowl, like as long as there's progress with how things look, Frost is staying. So for me, when that's the school of thought that I subscribe to in my head, the question then becomes, okay, well, is Nebraska going to win six games? I mean, I think the answer is yes. Again, you, you just look at no Ohio State, you got your tough non-conference game at home this year in Oklahoma. The schedule is very manageable. Your crossover, again, at Michigan, really tough, but the other two are about as good as you can ask for. Indiana at home and at Rutgers. You're avoiding Penn State. You're avoiding Michigan State. You get Minnesota, Illinois, and Wisconsin all at home. North Dakota and Georgia Southern aren't, on paper, terrifying non-conference games. I think Nebraska definitely gets to six wins. And I, I think the the moves Frost made, most notably Whipple and Bush, to me, I think you, st- you see a step forward on offense and you see a big step forward in special teams. 
especially the special teams factor. I mean, on a simple level, you could you just get to be average on special teams, and Nebraska is going to go at least six and six. Plus, I think Trev sees the recruiting capabilities with Mickey Joseph, and I think Nebraska's NIL machine clearly really helped lure some top talent, Casey Thompson, O'Shawn Mathis. And I've just, I've always felt like Trev Alberts really, really, really doesn't want to fire Frost. And he... He's only going to pull that trigger if he absolutely has to, and it's obvious. Trev Alberts just needs to see some progress. And between getting to a bowl game, which I think they will, and then I think we'll see a more clean football team from top top to bottom, I think Frost is coming back. I think he gets off the hot seat and the craziness will subside a bit. Not saying the pressure or the craziness ever fully goes away at a place like Nebraska. It doesn't. But I've said for a long time now, I think Scott Frost gave this whole thing the best chance to be successful given the hand he was dealing with and the task he was facing after the end of the season. Hiring five new coaches, replacing the starting quarterback, hitting the portal for instant help. Frost did all of those things and did it pretty well. I think it pays off next year in terms of Frost staying as the head coach. Will it pay off long-term? I don't know. Let's focus on next year. Again, I'm going to hold off on my official prediction for a record, but I think Nebraska goes to a bowl game and improves, and that is enough for Frost to get off the hot seat for the moment and stay as the head football coach in Lincoln. So there you go. Ten predictions for Nebraska football this year. In review, number one, Garrett Nelson will be the breakout star and have a huge year. Number two, I'm buying the O'Shawn Mathis hype. He's going to be every bit as good as advertised and drinking the Mathis Kool-Aid. Number three, Nebraska will beat Oklahoma. You heard it here first. Prediction number four, Chubba Purdy's going to start a game. Prediction number five, Nebraska's rush defense will be an issue. Prediction number six, Trey Palmer is going to be Nebraska's best player on offense. Prediction number seven, Nebraska will beat one of Iowa or Wisconsin. Prediction number, what am I on? Number seven, no, number eight, Nebraska's offensive line, still shaky. They're going to have a hard time running the ball and protecting the quarterback. Prediction number nine, Nebraska will have a positive turnover margin for the, for the first time under Frost. And prediction number 10, pretty simple one, Scott Frost going to keep his job. So there you go. Woo. Felt like I felt bold. Felt like throwing some, some predictions out there. Some bold, some not so bold. But fun to talk about either way. Let me know what you think. You can email me, nick at nickbaugh.com. Hit me on Twitter, at nickbaugh. Again, Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Really appreciate everybody's support and listening. Peace. We'll see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. A Huda Media Production.